Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Is that better? There we go. All right. Last week, we began talking about the names of God that we can find in the 23rd Psalm. And last week, we started off with the first two names that we can find in the first verse. And that was Jehovah Roy, which is God, the Lord is my shepherd. And then we looked at Jehovah Jireh, which Lord, the Lord provides. And we saw that in the first verse, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I shall not be in want of anything because I have everything that the shepherd is able to provide for me. Well, this week we're going to continue talking about the psalm and we are going to look at the next two verses, which are as follows. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. What we see there is, for the first one, Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord our peace. Now, if you know anything about sheep and we know that David, he's the one who pinned down this particular psalm, and he had been a shepherd, so he is familiar with sheep. And, and so we know that, and David would know, that sheep cannot rest without certain things happening. A sheep cannot rest if they are fearful. They have to not be in fear. A sheep will not be able to rest if there's friction with other sheep. A sheep is not able to rest unless they are free from hunger. They, they have to be fed. And the sheep cannot rest when there's flies around them, flying around their head, or if they are filled with parasites. Sheep are very timid creatures, and it's very difficult for them to rest. And so they have to be in a perfect state of calmness in order for them to settle down. Well, people are just like sheep. We know that because Isaiah said that. And so when we look at us, we know that when a person gets hungry, you better not mess with them because they're going to be irritable if they haven't eaten. We also know that when a person is angry, they can't rest either. We know that when a person is lonely, a lot of times they can't rest. And we also know that when a person is tired, real tired, they can't rest. So what do we see? We see the parallel there between a sheep and between us. And we know that unless a sheep is absolutely in a state of calmness, 
without any fear, without any tension, without any aggravation, without any hunger, then they are able to rest. The only person that can provide that for the sheep is the shepherd. Because the sheep can't find that for themselves. And so we need to look at our first point today, and we can find it in Judges. And I'm going to read it for you. The Lord speaks peace to us. Well, let's look at Judges chapter 6, verse 22 to 24. This is what it says. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, O sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, Lord is peace. Notice what Gideon called it. Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Now, now what was going on there is that God needed a judge to be a warrior to lead the Israelites out of the Midians, or away from the Midians, Midianites, excuse me. And so he had to deliver them from that particular nation, and so he went and he called on Gideon. Gideon, when he heard the angel of the Lord, was afraid. And the angel of the Lord spoke. They believe that angel of the Lord was Jesus, pre-incarnate Jesus. And we know for a fact that in the Old Testament, Jesus showed up in his pre-incarnate form. We know he showed up several times in the Old Testament. So we can actually believe that could be Jesus speaking. Jesus, because he is peace, is able to speak peace and is able to provide peace. So when we hear the Lord say something, we can take it to the bank and believe it. But yet, people, when it comes to the word of God, we struggle with believing what God says in his word, don't we? We struggle with that. But God is able to speak peace, and we see that through Gideon. And, and Gideon named the altar. It's one of three altars that are named for God in the Old Testament. But he names the altar Jehovah Shalom. And we see here, what does the word shalom mean? We know it's a Hebrew word, but it means more than just peace. Shalom means wholeness. It means fulfillment. It means harmony with oneself. It, it means completion. Notice those words. Wholeness. Completion. Harmony with oneself. Shalom. We know that a lot of Hebrews, when they speak, or a lot of Jewish people, they will say shalom. They, it's a greeting. Shalom. Peace. Wholeness to you. But do we actually feel whole? Do we actually experience peace on a regular basis? Well, well, look at what the, let's go back to Psalm and let's, Psalms, and see what he says here. He says that Jehovah Shalom makes me to lie down in green pastures. In order for the sheep to rest, as I said earlier, 
they have to be in perfect peace. It has to be perfect calm. So what this is alluding to is that it's, it's referring to young tender grass that the sheep is able to lie down in. And if you're familiar with sheep, they're just like cows. They're ruminant animals, which means they have four chambers in their stomach. And the reason why they have these chambers is because each chamber, they're, they're, they perform different functions. And so when a sheep eats, it doesn't eat like us. It just swallows its food, and then it goes down to one of the stomachs. And when they are resting, they regurgitate it as they are resting, and they chew what is known as their cud. They have to be in complete rest in order for them to chew their cud. Total relaxation. That's what it's alluding to. But then he doesn't stop there. He says that he leads me beside quiet waters. Waters of rest. Waters of calmness. It, it, it's the shepherd guides the sheep to a place where there's total calm. He speaks peace to us. But then look at our next point. The Lord provides peace for us. The Lord provides peace for us. So what does that mean? Well, A, we are to have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of sin, we are at war with God. God is a judge. He's going to judge sin. And so individuals who have not received Jesus as their Savior, they're going to be judged for their sin. Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus provided safe haven for those who believe. Isaiah talks about this Redeemer that's going to come, and he's referring to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. When the Redeemer comes, the Redeemer redeems. We are bought with the price. We are bought because of the blood of Jesus. And so when we look at what's being said here, in order to have peace with God, we have to be saved. We have to admit, we have, to have made a conscious decision that we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. There's no way around that. Peace with God. You do not have the peace of God unless you have peace with God, and you have to have peace with God first. And how do you get peace with God? Only through Jesus Christ. You have to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ before we can have peace. That is the prerequisite in order to have the peace of God. And so next, what do we see? We see that any individual that turns to God, he is now not going to be judged for sin. We're going to be judged for what we did with Jesus. A believer does not have to worry about being judged for their sin. Why? Because they made peace with God because peace comes by way of Jesus Christ. That's the prerequisite, peace with God. But then we ought to have, we ought to have the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we have the peace of God, it becomes a guard. What does it guard against? All the outside influences that are able to turn us away from the Lord. See, Jesus is peace. And as a believer in Christ, we have peace living within us. The peace that's in us is able to guard all those things that come into our minds and our hearts that can take us away from God. Well, why is it so easy for people to stray away? Because they're not allowing the guard to do his job. They're going around the guard. Because we can make a choice to bypass the guard and to do what we want. Isn't that what we do? That's why, shepherd, that's why sheep stray. Why do sheep stray? Because they get curious about what's on the other side of the fence. Isn't that what we do? We're curious about stuff. Well, let me just try it and see what it feels like. Isn't that what Eve, and Eve did? She was curious about that tree. So was Adam. It all starts with curiosity. And so when we look at the, the peace of God, the peace of God can be defined as an inward spirit of tranquility and a serenity of heart and mind that abides even in the midst of trouble and trial. Hmm. Let me give you a, an illustration. There were two artists, and they were asked to draw a picture of what they thought peace was. So the one artist, he drew a picture of a boy sitting in a boat out on a lake, and there were no ripples in the water whatsoever. It was nice and quiet and tranquil. It was a calm day. The water was calm. Everything was absolutely relaxing. But then the other artist drew a picture, and this is what he drew. He drew a picture of a waterfall that was raging, and there's mist coming up out of the waterfall, and, and it was windy, and he had a picture of a tree with a tree branch over this raging water, and there in a the tree, a bird had built a nest, and it was sitting on the, the nest, brooding over its eggs. That was his picture of calm. See, when we look at what peace really is, peace, real peace, is being able to remain calm and tranquil in the midst of trial. That's what real peace is. So when you see people who pray for peace, they better watch out what they're asking for. Because when stuff starts to go off in your life and you've been praying for peace, that's when peace is supposed to reveal itself. The peace of God. Well, here's what the University of Michigan found out. 60% of our worries are unwarranted. They just happen. Or they never happen. 20% have already become past activities and are completely out of our control. 
10% are so petty that they don't make any difference at all. Of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% are real and justifiable. Of the remaining 5%, you can't do anything about them anyway. In other words, what they discovered was that only about 1% of the things we worry about are real, and 99% of the things we worry about are a complete waste of time and fruitless. 1%. But we're a bunch of worriers, aren't we? We worried about everything. Let me be honest. I was worried this morning. I need somebody to open up for us. I mean, don't want anybody want to do anything? I'm up here worried. I had to go to prayer. It's got to tell you, Lord, calm me down right now. Right? We, we get uptight about stuff, don't we? But what I failed to do was call on the Lord of peace, which is what I needed to do in that moment. And the Lord provided anyway, right? Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> oh, man. So, so we, ha we have peace available to us. But then there's another one. We are to have peace with others. Now, let's get on the practical side, right? We have, we have peace with God. We have the peace of God for us. But now what about peace with other people? Isn't that where we have issues? We have issues with people. We have issues at work. We have issues at home. We have issues in church. We have issues. Why? Because that's everywhere where you find people. And so when we look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness, no one will see God, will see the Lord. This kind of peace is harmony and fellowship with one another. That's what God is calling us to have in our relationships. Now, there's a couple thoughts around this. The first thought is this. When we look in James chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Listen to what that says. The first is that God's wisdom is pure. God's wisdom is not tainted with sin. And then James goes on and says this. He says that we are to be peaceable. And when we look at that word peaceable, James elaborates on it, and this is what he says. He says we are to be gentle. We are to have a teachable spirit. We are to be merciful. We are to exhibit good fruits, which is good works. We should not show partiality, and we should not be hypocritical. That's what James says. And so when we look at that, what is he actually saying? If we put these things into practice, we will have peace with others. That's something that we have to do. That's something that will keep us in a, a state of peace with others. But then there's this. We are to practice 
the one another's. You know what the one another's are? We are the practice to one another's. That's a, that's a point. Practice the one another's. And here's what they are. We are to accept one another, admonish one another, bear one another's burdens, bear with one another, build up one another, care for one another. We are to comfort one another, confess our faults to one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, exhort one another, forgive one another, greet one another, be honest with one another, be hospitable with one another, be kind to one another, be like-minded with one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to remember that all we are members one of another, serve one another, spur one another on, and submit to one another. There they are. Now, if we do that with one another, guess what you will have? Sleep. Peace. That's what you're going to have. You're going to have peace. Because you are putting into practice the one another's. And we have the ability to do it because of Christ being in our life, who is but you can't do that without having the peace, without having peace with God. So we have to have peace with God. We are able to have the peace of God. And now that peace can be filtered through you as you put it into practice and have peace with one another. Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. But then look at what it says, it says, he will restore my soul. He will restore my soul. Now, here's a, here's a reality, right? The question is, does Jesus heal? And the answer is yes. Jesus heals. He's the almighty Lord who is our healer. That's what Jehovah Rapha means. The Lord who heals. And, and so, we know that he can heal instantaneously or by a miracle. He can heal over time through medicine. We know that. He heals. However, here's the truth. Every saint will not be healed in this lifetime. They're not. They're not going to be healed by a miracle. And they're not going to be healed by medicine or instantaneously or in time. That's a reality. Right now, now, I want you to catch this. I want you to hear this. Right now, God is not really interested, for the most part, in our health. He's interested in our holiness. What? He's interested in our holiness. Why do you say that? What good is it if God heals somebody and they go to hell? God can heal. He can heal the body. But you got to remember, this body is corrupted. 
This, this body is sinful. The reason why we die is because this body is sinful. When we are born again, we don't have a new body yet, but we ourselves are a new creation. God is concerned more about us being a new creation than he is about healing our body. Although he does heal our body, and he can heal our body in different ways, but he's more concerned about us being holy, which I'm not talking about at this point practical holiness. I'm talking about positional holiness, which comes from God himself when we receive him as our Savior. We are holy positionally because God sees us through the eyes of Christ. And we are to live out practically that holiness. God is more concerned about that than our bodies. Because you know what? Our bodies as a believer will be redeemed later on. Because we know that when Jesus was resurrected, he had a new body. And those are the bodies that we will receive. It's not time to get that new body yet. So we need to understand the scripture and understand what God's priority is. His priority is for us to be saved and to be that practical picture of what it is of Christ in the church. He's more concerned about that. When we look at Psalm 42, David says this, Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Notice the word that he used, downcast. Downcast has to do with the sheep. When a sheep actually lies down in the grass... If there's a slight depression in the grass, when the sheep gets up, it can be thrown off balance. If the sheep is thrown off balance enough, it can flip over. And when the sheep flips over, his feet will be, or her feet will be up in the air. That's the downcast position. Now, if that sheep is in that position for a long period of time, guess what will happen? That sheep is going to die because the gases in the stomach, they're going to suffocate that sheep. And there's no circulation that's going through the legs of that sheep. So what has to happen is the shepherd has to come along to save that sheep. When the shepherd comes along, what he will do is that he will flip that sheep over ever so slowly in order for it to be in an upright position. When he does that, he then's going to take his, holds the sheep, and he's going to take his hands, and he's going to rub the legs of that sheep. As he rubs the legs of that sheep, what is he actually doing? He's actually providing circulation in the legs of that sheep so that, that le the legs, the blood flowing through that sheep will be restored. Did you catch that? Look at the shepherd holding the sheep. Very personal. Very loving. Yet it was dangerous because the sheep could have died. 
But the shepherd is now holding and comforting that sheep and and bringing life back into that sheep that was almost taken away from that sheep. That's that's what downcast is, and, and that's what David uses in order to express what it is for us. Because David said his soul was downcast. Depression. We suffer from depression at times because of an event or because of something that happens. I'm not going to get into all that. There's different types of depression. But the reality is when we're depressed or very disappointed, we, have, we become downcast. And who do we need to hear from? The shepherd. Well, when we go to Exodus, this is where we see the word Jehovah Rapha being used. Exodus 15, 22 to 26, this is what it says. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, now listen, listen what it says. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Here's point number four. The Lord heals based on condition. What? The Lord heals based on condition. Now, look at what the verses contain there. It says, if you listen to the voice of the Lord, thy God, this is what I'm going to do. There's a statute and an ordinance that he gives to, now, not us, but to the Israelites. We have to make sure we stay in context. He's saying this to the Israelites. And he's saying, there's a condition that I'm placing on you. If you acknowledge me as your God you and avoid idolatry, that's number one. And he says, number two, should you receive, that they should receive the word and testimony as a divine revelation, binding their hearts and their lives, and staying away from reckless extravagance of every kind, not adopting the custom of their neighbors. That was the other point. And then the last point, that they should continue to live to please God. That was the conditions. And if they kept those conditions, what would the Lord do? The Lord said, I will heal you. I will keep you in a, a position of health as a nation. I will keep you in a position of health in your bodies. I will not do what I did to the Egyptians. This is a conditional thing. If God was saying, if you do this, 
I will do this. Now, I have to be honest. We see conditions for us as a, as a church. And what I mean as a church, I'm talking about the called out ones, the ecclesia, the, the believers. There are things that are conditional. What, what do you mean? Okay, let me, give you, let me give you some. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's conditional. Look at, look at what, what's our part in it. Do not be anxious. What are we to do? Pray and make our petitions with thanksgiving to God. And it says that the peace of God will, will, will fill us and will guard our minds and hearts in, in Christ. That is conditional. Now, that has to do, when we look at the condition, it has to do with psychological as well as emotional. Because anxiety produces those kind of things psychologically and emotionally in us. That's healing. Rafa. Give you another example. Come to me in, in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Conditional. What do we have to do? We have to come. We have to come to him, bringing our stuff to him. He says, take my yoke. We need to exchange yokes. That's conditional. If I don't do it, guess what? I'm not going to experience his calmness. Conditional, what does that provide? That's also psychological and emotional. Where, where do we live at? We live in a world that brings about a lot of psychological and emotional stuff. And let me say it, in our relationships. Because we're always having a problem with other sheep. Because they cause friction. And Jesus is saying, listen, just bring it to me. You don't have to worry, you don't have to go through all that stuff. See, that, that's Rapha. Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. Listen to that. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Physical and psychological. So how are we healed physically? What do we do with our bodies? If you probably look at it, the reason why we have a lot of sickness is because of the stuff that we do with our bodies. And yet the scripture says if we present our bodies to the Lord, 
The possibility exists that we won't be going through some of the stuff because we won't put, we wouldn't be putting certain things in our bodies. A lot of people have died of alcohol. A lot of people have died of drugs. A lot of people have died of obesity. A lot of people have died because of the stuff that they put in their bodies. That's not God's fault. Our bodies are already dying. We just make it go quicker. But, but according to the scripture, when we present our bodies to the Lord, what does that mean? We're not supposed to do certain things with our bodies. And by not doing certain things with our bodies, we can actually live longer. It's very practical, but it's conditional, right? So I'm not making this up. I'm going to give you one more. So that has to do with physical and psychological. But then look at what James says. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Nobody has never called me to pray over them at their house when they were sick. I've been in ministry for 35 years. Nobody has never called me to come over to their house and pray for them. But this is what the text says. It doesn't say that the elder should come on his own or, right, or her own. It, it says, is, is any one of you sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Rapha, using the Hebrew word, it's going to be another word in the Greek. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. This has to do with physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual. Conditional. So what that's saying is that some sicknesses are caused because of people being in sin. And when you call the elder and the elders begin to pray over you, the Holy Spirit can give discernment and show what the sin is. And if the sin is causing a person to be sick, then guess what? Confessing the sin will release it. And now the person can be healed, not only physically, but spiritually. That's the text. Conditional. Point number five, God heals holistically. And we were just able to see that through the examples. So I don't really need to go through all that again. But looking at word, look at what it means. Healing means to mend as a garment. It means to repair as a building is reconstructed. The word healing means to cure as a diseased person is healed. So what are you actually saying, Crawford? We're saying that Jehovah Rapha heals physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We're saying that Jehovah Rapha, who we see in Jesus, when Jesus was on this planet, what was he doing? He was going around healing, wasn't he? A lot of people got healed. But if you notice, a lot of people who were healed, Jesus would come around in some cases and saying, listen, okay, you were healed physically, but what was the point he was really making? Now let me show you something else. 
forgiveness of sin. Remember what the Pharisees were always looking at? This man acts like he's God. He thinks he's God. Who is he to forgive sin? Because he's God. <laughs> See, Jesus healed, but the purpose was to show that he's God, and God is able to heal physically, but God wanted people to be healed spiritually. It wasn't really about the healing physically. That was the most important point. It was the healing spiritually. Because he wanted the Gentile as well as the Hebrew to be a part of the new family, which is the body of Christ. When we look at healing, we're able to be set free. But look at what, I'm going to close with this. Look at what David is saying. He restores my soul. You remember what David said in Psalm 51? Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. A lot of the injury that we go through is in the soul. That's where we need healing. It's in our souls. That's where we live. David, in Psalm 27, he lifted up his soul unto the Lord. He lifted up his mind, his will, his emotions unto the Lord. Why? Because, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. Will you take it? Where do we need healing the most? What do you need today? Jehovah Rapha is able to heal. How does God heal our, our soul? When David said, I need healing in my soul, restore my, my soul. He restoreth my soul. There's three things that we see David doing, and I'm going to close after that. We see David. David is in a complete state of rest when he's writing the psalm. There's nothing going on. He's, he's, he's resting. Notice where he's resting in, what he's resting in. He's resting in the presence of God. See, when you need restoration, you have to rest in his presence. You have to go into his presence and rest. Just be at, at ease and quiet. Why? So you can hear him. That's what David did. But something else David did. David, in order to have restoration, he also was reflecting. He was looking at life from God's perspective. Do we do that? David was looking at life from God's perspective. It's easy to look at life from my perspective. Why am I going through this? God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why is this person doing that? Why are you doing this to me, God? Why don't you look at it from his perspective? Because he could be saying, the reason why I'm doing this is because of my glory. 
The reason why I'm allowing this is because I'm receiving the glory from it. You belong to me. Did you not give your life to me? Uh, and am I allowed to use you and do things in your life? You said I could when you gave your life to me, didn't you? And now all of a sudden you all ticked off at me because things are happening in your life? Who are you looking to? Are you looking to the hireling or are you looking to the shepherd? Because the hireling is going to run. And the hireling can be me. Did you realize that? I can be the hireling. Because when I take the place of God, I'm calling the shots. The last thing. Restoration. In order to have restoration, there has to be replenishment. David was able to have a renewed vigor to live for God. Isn't that what it's all about? Having vigor, having replenishment. We need to be, be replenished constantly. He's able to restore us. Jehovah Rapha. He's able to bring healing. It's more than physical. It's every part of our lives. Right now, my house is going through Rafa. Why? Because my kitchen is being restored. That's Rafa. Anytime a person built an altar, that was Rafa. When the temple was restored, that was Rafa. Rafa is more than just restoring of people. Remember when, what I read? The water, he threw a stick in the water, and the water went from bitter to being sweet. That's Rafa. Rafa is taking place all around us. We just don't realize it. And because my kitchen is going through Rafa, I have a happy wife. <laughs> she probably heard it too. But anyway, let's pray, y'all. Father, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. Father, we thank you for being our peace, and we thank you for being our healer. Lord, I pray that the word that we heard today will encourage us to seek you as our peace and to seek you as our healer. Not just looking for you to heal physically, but Lord, to, to heal us mentally, emotionally, and Lord, relationally, or wherever we need it, financially, you're able to bring Rafa. Father, we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.